You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. You know what I think about every so often? Mm-hmm. Just unbidden comes to my mind. Yeah. Scorpions. Scorpions. Why do they exist? Like it just, every single part of them is designed to cause harm. They're terrifying. They've got pinchy feet. <laughs> they got pinchy claws. They got that tail. They got a like a whip tail. <laughs> well, we, who designed this animal? <laughs> Why? The nature. <laughs> yeah, they evolved to be that horrifying. But like, I've never heard. Now, granted, I haven't listened to a lot of, I don't know, presentations or documentaries or uh, dissertations or. About scorpions. About scorpions and their place in the world. But seriously, why are these things on the planet and why are they so terrifying? Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today we are talking about the scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> but first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. If you are afraid of spiders and scorpions and you live in or around the Salt Lake City, Utah area, you can conquer your fears by driving out to the Swanner Eco Center, where you can observe about 100 terrariums containing dozens of scorpions, spiders, and everything in between. Aaron Cleveland, the exhibit's designer, said he wants visitors to take home an expanded view of these creatures, their place in various cultures, and efforts to conserve them. He said, My hope is that people come away from this exhibit with a better understanding of these animals and move from a fear perspective to more of a respect for them, which is kind of why we do this podcast and we talk about little creepy crawly things once in a while. That's right. Mr. Cleveland also said, People think of conserving megavertebrates like gorillas and whales, and they don't think about the smaller animals. Not just arachnids, but mice and frogs and those smaller creatures that need just as much protection as the big animals that people can relate to. Yep. Hunter Klingensmith, who is the customer service coordinator for the Eco Center, added, I think it's really important that we make arachnids less scary, so we're hoping that people can come, and if they have a little fear, they can conquer it and turn their fear into fascination. Which, again what we try to do here at the Varmints Podcast because if we just talked about cute little furry things all the time, it would be boring for us and maybe boring for you too. Well, and the cute little furry things need to have stuff to eat. <laughs> yes, exactly. And stuff to eat them when they die. That's right. Yeah. Nature. Nature. Weird. So it is the end of September. It's almost October 2018 as we record this and they are going to have that exhibit open until the end of the year. Nice. Yeah. If you're down there, go and check it out. Check it out and take pictures and send them to us. Or Definitely. share them in the Varmus discussion group. For sure. So, just a reminder, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at Podcast, all one word. 
and at varminspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestioni. I run a Pinterest board as well for every animal we talk about. I am a little bit behind on that, but I promise you I will catch up. You'll find the link to our Pinterest board at the bottom of our show notes on every episode. If you want some varmints merchandise, head over to tpublic.com and put varmints into the search engine. You'll find all sorts of wonderful merchandise. And if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are absolutely everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So, let's go and learn about some scorpions. Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. We are talking about scorpions today. Scorpions are predatory arachnids belonging to the same family as ticks, mites, and yes, spiders. Because mm-hmm. they have eight legs. Yes, like all arachnids, they do have eight legs. Unlike most arachnids, the front two legs are not used for locomotion. Rather, they have adapted over time into claws. Yes. Scorpions are also easily identified by their long bodies with a segmented tail that curves over their body, ending in a stinger. Yes. Fossil records indicate that at least 111 species of scorpions have been roaming the Earth for about 430 million years. Ugh. Which is amazing. Most of them were marine scorpions. Yes. There are about 1,750 described species in 13 different families recognized to date, and they are found on all major land masses except Antarctica. Scorpions are not native to Great Britain, Ireland, Japan, South Korea, or New Zealand, but they are there because of being introduced by human trade and commerce. The word scorpion has not changed all that much from the original Greek word scorpios, and the root of that word means to cut or shear. Male, female, and baby scorpions are all just called scorpions, and a group of scorpions is called a bed or a nest. Oh, a nest of scorpions! (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) That does sound something like out of a movie, The Scorpion's Nest. Yes, yes. That place is nothing but a nest of scorpions. (laughs) Oh, it actually is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found this really weird fact about them and their their biology. It's not a lot to talk about, but pretty interesting. So scorpions typically eat insects, but their diet can be extremely variable. This is another key to their survival in so many harsh locales. When food is scarce... They have an amazing ability to slow their metabolism to as little as one-third the typical rate for arthropods. One-third. That's like, wow. I could do that. So it enables some species to use very little oxygen and to live on as little as a single insect per year. What? Yeah, one. And even with the lowered metabolism, they have the ability to spring quickly to the hunt when the opportunity presents itself which is something that many hibernating species lack. So they're hibernating, but they're not totally dormant. They're like, I'm hibernating, something to eat, ah! And they can spring right to it right then. Boing! (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. That's incredible. (laughs) I have never, I never knew that. 
That's like us eating one cheeseburger per year and being all right with that. Yeah, and then when a cheeseburger goes by, you jump on it. You pounce like, on it, which I would totally do. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's neat, man. Like I said, not, not a lot of information, but a really fun thing to talk about. So. That's all right. Scorpions actually glow or fluoresce when they're exposed to ultraviolet light. That is so weird. Have you seen pictures of it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty good thing because humans can take advantage of that for scorpion population surveys and all kinds of studies and for pest control. Yeah. Yeah. Scorpions fluoresce or glow because they have beta-carboline in their exoskeletons. Carboline chemicals are found in many animal cells, not just scorpions, and these chemicals are thought to be sunscreens that protect epidermal or skin cells by reflecting or scattering UV radiation. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah, so you're just seeing that UV light reflected back at you when they're glowing. Right. Well, I guess that would be a good survival trait if you live in highly, highly sunny areas. So. Well, that was the case about 400 billion years ago, because research suggests that the oxygen levels were lower then, which means that the UV light from the sun was pretty intense. Hmm. So animals that would be exposed to that powerful UV radiation would need to have or to develop some sort of protection, and scientists think that that explains the carbolines in the scorpion's exoskeleton. Huh. So here we are, 400 million years later. The UV radiation is lower. Modern scorpions spend a whole lot of the day buried underground or in the shade and out of the sun, but they still glow at night. So the question is, why hasn't this adaptation just disappeared over time? Mm-hmm. So a few ideas that scientists have had is that the glowing might help scorpions find each other because mm -hmm. their earth tone coloring kind of makes it hard to see them in the desert. Sure. Another idea they have is that they just do it to dazzle and confuse their prey. Right. Some people that study scorpions think that their fluorescence doesn't even have a purpose at all anymore. But California State University scientists think otherwise. Their idea is that scorpions might be using UV light as a way to determine whether or not to come to the surface to look for prey based on the light levels. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. So scorpions are nocturnal. They don't like the heat. They don't like direct sunlight. And it turns out that they specifically avoid UV light, too. Huh. The Cal State team reported that scorpions kind of adjust their activity level depending on the amount of UV light shining on them. So when they're flooded in UV light, they are less active than when the lights are just dim. Wow. Yeah. Moonlight has a very faint ultraviolet component because it's reflecting the sun's rays back down to the earth. It was observed that hungry scorpions will go out and hunt at night regardless of light levels, but scorpions that are full tend to lie low on moonlit nights, especially around the time of the full moon. Right. Their fluorescence might be part of the mechanism by which the scorpions respond to moonlight. So if they're picking up a lot of UV and they're, and they're really, really glowy, but they don't have any immediate need to be out to hunt or to make little scorpions, they'll just lay low to avoid predators like rodents and owls and snakes and things that eat scorpions. Sure, sure. So they kind of use that as a gauge to whether it's, you know, the, between that and their hunger, they kind of figure out if it's safe to go out and feed. Hmm. Still a hypothesis. Right. Science still doesn't have the exact answer to exactly why scorpions continue to glow 400 million years later under a black light, but they're getting closer. Well, and it 
another thing they probably are looking at, but I didn't I didn't check is uh, what what genetic sequence is it connected to? Sometimes traits are just go along for the ride. You know, they're not for anything particular, but they're connected to things that we need. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and they might yeah. find out that that's why they might find scorpions glow, and that's yeah. why we have appendixes. And <laughs> yeah, exactly, because it yeah. just is along. It's just a thing that is there. It doesn't do anything. It's just connected to something else. Along yeah. for the ride. Yep. <laughs> yep, that like happens. It. Not every it trait does. in genetics is for anything, so it's sort of interesting. But anyway, so I, we're not the experts in that for sure. But <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Really cool. Either we're not experts in this either. No. Disclaimer time. The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're gonna do it anyway. So once again, we have a situation where we have an insect that has nerves and nerve cords and neurons and ganglia, but not really a brain. Mm-hmm. So. Well, insects don't have that, so they don't no. need it. None of them have it, as far as I know. Well, I think we have to get to the question of, like, what do we mean by intelligence? And I'm going to stick with my idea that I think when we're talking about insects... We're talking about a different kind of intelligence than the kind of intelligence that mammals have. So right. it's a different thing. It has a different job. It has a different purpose. It's for different stuff. And we don't. I don't think scientists know exactly how it works yet. So Scientists don't know exactly how it works, but those people on the arachnoboards message board seem to have figured it out. <laughs> well, I don't think that I heard anything definitive from any of them, did you? <laughs> Oh, uh, that was funny. Yeah, in our in our research, I shared with Donna a link to a message board for people who own scorpions, and mm-hmm. they have their own ideas about intelligence, and they're not they're not animal experts either. No, clearly, bugs are pretty much like little computer programs with legs. Yeah, they just kind of respond, and they're like little little uh, feedback loop things walking around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't have the neurology to have thoughts. Right. So, but again, um, the way that insects do things, the way they communicate with each other in groups and stuff is like, we kind of don't really understand that at all. When we're talking about the ants episode, I mentioned a scientist on Radiolab who was like, collectively, they're amazing how many stuff they can get done, but individually, they're morons. Like she saw the same <laughs> one try to pull the same twig for like 20 minutes before she stopped it. Um, right. And, and so with scorpions and other insects, I imagine, or they're not insects, they're arachnids, but same, same basic idea that you have only a little bit of neural tissue to deal with, but who knows what it, how it works and what it's for, and it's the same problem we have every time we look at an insect. <laughs> yeah, and I think at this point, it's unfair, oh crap, it's unfair to it's unfair to rate anything on a scale of one to ten as far as intelligence but we do it anyway yeah and it's because we're humans and we look at everything as through a human point of view and it's so it's kind of hard to you know it's kind of hard to figure it out what we're what question we're actually trying to answer when we do that but it's still fun and so compared to a human yeah they're not super smart so i don't know two (laughs) two i'll go with a two (laughs) 
<laughs> Here's our arbitrary rating. <laughs> yeah, you gave a jellyfish a one, right? Mm, if I remember I so, correctly. Yeah. yeah, so I'll give him a two. Okay. Just one notch above a jellyfish. <laughs> They're brighter than plankton. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are going to talk about scorpions and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. Hello, I am Adam Higgins from the Odd Dad Out podcast, where normal is not my specialty. What does that mean? Well, I, I just can't do one thing, now can I? Every week-ish, I give you a sampling of Whatever is going on in my head, whether it's personal stories, rants, ramblings, or just spending a day to nerd out a bit. Plus, I make fun of some weird news stories, and I tell you about a podcast that I think you should check out, because sharing is caring, right? So if any of that sounds up your alley, subscribe to Odd Dad Out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice, and check out all the past episodes, merch, and all the other fun goodies at odddadoutpodcast.com. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys, and video games. So my pop culture pick for this week comes from video games. You probably think that I'm going to talk about Scorpion from Mortal Kombat today, and you would be wrong, because there's very, very little that is interesting about that video game character. But there is plenty of interesting stuff about one of my favorite games ever, and that is called Pitfall. Pitfall is a video game designed by David Crane for the Atari 2600 and released by Activision in 1982. The player controls Pitfall Harry and is tasked with collecting all the treasures in a jungle within 20 minutes while avoiding obstacles and hazards. Pitfall received positive reviews upon its release, and it is one of the best-selling games on the Atari 2600 with over 4 million copies sold. It was the top video game on the Billboard charts for more than a year. It inspired numerous sequels and ports across a variety of gaming consoles and helped define the side-scrolling platformer genre. Our pop culture segment is going to be all 80s today. It's all 80s. The player controls the character, Pitfall Harry, through a maze-like jungle in an attempt to recover 32 treasures in a 20-minute time period. Along the way, players must maneuver through numerous hazards, including pits, quicksand, rolling logs, fire, rattlesnakes, crocodiles, and yes, scorpions that inhabit the tunnels. (laughs) Harry may jump over or otherwise avoid these obstacles by climbing, running, or swinging on vines. Treasure includes bags of money, gold and silver bars, and diamond rings. The game ends when either all 32 treasures have been collected, all three lives have been lost, or the time has run out. So a lot of video game players our age remember this game fondly, and we know all about it. So here's some stuff you might not have known about Pitfall. The development began in 1980, right around the time that Raiders of the Lost Ark was in theaters. And yeah, coincidence? I think not. (laughs) 
<laughs> David Crane figured out how to animate a little running man. He wanted to design a game around it. Like that, he was hell-bent on designing a game around this little running man that he made. The original design for Pitfall took 10 minutes for Crane to lay out on graph paper and then 1,000 hours to program. (laughs) (laughs) The game's working title was Jungle Runner. Uh, Activision's marketing department didn't like it. Other names considered for the game were Zulu Gold and Amazon before they settled on David Crane's suggestion of Pitfall. Pitfall! David Crane also thought Pitfall Harry just sounded good as a name for the little running man, so he's Pitfall Harry. The character graphic for Harry is repurposed as part of the tree canopy graphics. So if you look at Pitfall Harry is swinging on a vine, you see his little butt and legs. Mm -hmm. That is the tree line on top. (laughs) (laughs) At one time, Activision was receiving 14,000 fan letters per week for Pitfall. They had to hire a staff just to open the fan mail. The original version of Pitfall only allowed players one life. And if you died after 20 minutes, tough luck. It took them actually two more weeks to program in the additional lives, to have three lives. Wow. Here's an interesting thing. This is the television commercial for Pitfall. Just last night, I was lost in the jungle with Pitfall Harry, surrounded by giant scorpions and man-eating crocodiles. Well, Harry and I just grabbed the van, swung through the trees, and over the tar pits and found the jungle treasure. It was really neat. If you haven't met Pitfall Harry, you're missing the year's most incredible video game adventure. Pitfall for the Atari 2600 and in television. Since I met Pitfall Harry, no other man will do. Pitfall, designed by David Crane for Activision. So that was the commercial that ran in 1982. The little kid you heard at the beginning of the commercial, talking about scorpions and stuff, Mm -hmm. that is Jack Black in one of his first acting roles. Is it now? How interesting. And we will put that video in the show notes, blazingcariboustudios.com slash scorpions. And uh, yeah, he just looks like a little Jack Black with a pit helmet. And it's interesting that it says this seems to be before marketing executives decided that video games weren't for girls because there's a girl in there. Yes, absolutely. Because video games were always and still are for girls. There's just a period of time where marketing executives decided that they weren't because they're goofy. Yes. Uh, but but yeah. So no, I never played this game. We didn't have an Atari. Oh. So. Well, you don't have to have an Atari Twenty Six Hundred to play Pitfall. If you go to the show notes at BlazingCaribouStudios.com/scorpions, you will find an authentic, playable online version, and you can play it for yourself. Nice. One last little fact, and I thought this was really cool. Activision actually sent out iron-on patches to people that sent in high scores. Right. Which means that Activision was the first video game developer to offer achievements. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) I love Pitfall. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Did you get a little badge? I did not because I I was not that good at the game. Ah, okay. And I'm still not that good at the And the scorpions got me every time. The scorpions are really hard to jump over for some reason. Hmm. Yep. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and going to our other part of the 80s, I got to say this has really nothing to do with the animal that we're talking <laughs> about today at all. But we can't do a scorpion show without this. Banging my head. I got my devil horns up. Woo! 
Some judicious editing. <laughs> yeah. Got to the chorus. <laughs> We're not playing the whole song. are a German rock band formed in 1965 in Hanover by Rudolf Schenker. <laughs> <laughs> Their musical style has gone from hard rock to heavy metal and everything in between, and the lineup in the 80s was the most successful incarnation of the group. So, pretty cool. They had really big commercial success during the 80s, and they are still together. Touring around and being the scorpions. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, so we're not going to talk too, too much about it, but they always had a scorpion graphic of some sort on their album covers, and their logo is a scorpion, and they had lots of stuff where they'd had puns on the, the word scor- uh, scorpion and stings and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff here and there. So yeah. pretty cool. And, and they are, uh, as I said, still around. So... And uh, But just here's a, sort of an interesting little musical tidbit. Wind of Change is played in the off-Broadway production of a show called Power Ballads. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever see that, you will hear that, a version of that in that show. So pretty cool. That is awesome. And before we recorded today, I looked up Rock You Like a Hurricane, the, the video on, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I watched that whole thing, and that is the most wonderful most 80s thing you will ever see in your life it is so 80s and this song is not 
really for kids. So. It's not for kids. I edited but... out some the non-kid parts. Yeah. I mean, the whole you're... song is a pretty much non-kid part. The, gu- the guitars and the chorus are pretty much all that we can play yeah. on, on our family show. So, you know, definitely be curate their catalog carefully if you want to introduce your children to the scorpions. If they're a little older and they want to learn about the 80s, though, it's the perfect thing to show them because there are so many mullets and oh so much gosh. dry ice smoke and so many, like, like animal print bandanas and hairspray. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, like it's, completely, completely. <laughs> so much fun, though. It put me in such a good mood. I might have to just watch Rocky Like a Hurricane every time before we record. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, because I can just hear people going, oh, I thought Donna said she was a goth. Well, I was, but, I mean, everybody listened to pretty much everything at that time, so. Right. It wasn't, yeah. li- it wasn't like today where everybody's like, well, you can't listen to this because you're a that or whatever, so. Nope. We listened to Michael Jackson, and then we turned around, and we listened to the Scorpions, and then we listened to whatever the what was on the radio. Whatever. Yeah. whatever was on the radio or whatever our cool friend who who's sister or brother was in college brought home. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? So, does your track record still stand with insects? Yeah. Yeah, you're not not eating scorpions? Yeah, I'm not eating that. Care who eats it? I'm not going to be one of the people who does. I'll have your scorpions if you don't want them. Okay. I'm totally trying a scorpion. Okay, where are you going to eat a scorpion? You're just going to go out in the yard and get one and the, like barbecue it? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> Maybe if I go to, you know, an Asian country someday and they have a scorpion there, I will try a scorpion. Hmm. Although okay. I did see that you could get them from Walmart. You could get them online from Walmart. Okay. Well, there's a Asian grocery store here in town. You could probably get them at that kind of a place. Oh, we have Asian grocery stores here, too. I'm Mm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to look. Yep. That's like bucket list food for me. Scorpion. I will eat one before I die. Okay. Well, I challenge (laughs) you. Find a scorpion and eat it on the internet. I will do that. (laughs) Throw down. Put your money where your mouth is, bud. I will. You know what? I will. Challenge accepted. Okay, good. (laughs) Hey, Paul and Donna. It's hey. me, Vlad Samtanovsky. <laughs> I guarantee you I can help you win your next trivia night. What do we have to least, do? At the very least, make you the smartest person in the room. All oh, I gotta man. do is share with you this, the animal fact of the week. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you don't want to get into that guy for any favors, you know? No, 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 no. We better give him an animal fact of the week or else he's gonna he's gonna come a-knockin' at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're looking to keep an exotic pet and you want something that is very easy to keep, very low maintenance, and a great insect for beginners, why not an emperor scorpion? Hear me out. Emperor scorpions are large, they're black, they're very impressive looking. They are very quiet. They're very clean. They're very easy to care for. Emperor scorpions are not particularly dangerous, but of course, handling them is not recommended. If you do have to handle one, they're more likely to pinch you with their claws before they sting you. Mm -hmm. 
And if you do happen to get stung, it's very much like a bee sting, both in pain level and effect. So if you're allergic to bee stings, this might not be a great pet for you. Right. A 10-gallon tank is enough room for one scorpion. These scorpions do not need UV lights, but they do need a temperature gradient between 70 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So if, you're, if your house gets a little bit colder than that, you can put a heating mat for reptiles under one side of the tank. And so they can go back and forth between the warm side of the tank and the cold side of the tank. Mm-hmm. Three to six inches of soil, peat, or vermiculite is recommended so that your scorpion can burrow. And, and uh, places for the scorpion to hide when it is above ground are also recommended. Regular misting on the inside of the tank with water will provide a level of humidity that scorpions need. Crickets and mealworms that you can just find at the pet store can be fed to your scorpion every other night. And a very shallow water dish so that your scorpion doesn't drown itself accidentally. And that's pretty much it for taking care of scorpions. Hmm. And I kind of want a scorpion now. Mm. <clears throat> <laughs> Conversely... You could decide that you don't ever want scorpions in your home, and this is how you would do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you sound like my wife. <laughs> so scorpions are highly attracted to water and warmth. Eliminating possible entrances and all standing water will decrease the number of scorpions you encounter outdoors. If you find a scorpion, be prudent and follow these tips to decrease the number of scorpions on your property. <laughs> Seal any crevices around your home where a scorpion may be able to gain entry. Doors and windows are common entry points for scorpions. Inspect cabinets and closets. They like to hide in dark places during the day and journey around during the night. Clear away all brush debris and lumber piles around the perimeter of your home. Keep firewood at least 30 feet away. Repair any leaky air conditioners and other outside water sources. Eliminate crickets in and around your home. Crickets are one of their favorite foods, so eliminating crickets will keep the scorpions away. I don't know how you would do that. I wouldn't recommend any chemical pest control for that, but maybe there's a different way. So if you have a scorpion problem and you do not want a worse problem, that's what you should do. If you have a lot of them in your home, call the professionals because you don't want to be dealing with that on your own. Right. (laughs) And I have lived in states where this is possible, so... That doesn't sound like fun to me. I cannot imagine. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. If you want if you want them in your house or if you want them out of your house, then there you go. Yes. That's how you do it. That's exactly it. All right, I got a little <laughs> quiz for you. Okay. I think you're going to pass, but I'm, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah, are, ready. Are, are all scorpion stings fatal? Oh, no, 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 no. I think there's only two or three of them that are that will actually kill you. Mm-hmm. That is exactly right. Less oh, than 5% on. of scorpion stings require any medical attention, and antidotes have severely decreased the likelihood that a scorpion sting, sting will be fatal even when they are dangerous. So hardly right. ever. Probably not going to happen. Don't worry about it. It probably hurts like heck either way. I'm sure it does. But being being stung by critters definitely hurts. So you yeah. want to avoid that if you can. Yeah. All right. So scorpions can bite and sting. True or false? Scorp- um, scorpions can bite and... That means they have to use their mouth to bite. You don't mean the pinchers, right? Yep. Uh, I think they can only sting. Yep. You are correct. They have no teeth. So... <laughs> Their claws look dangerous, but they typically only use their tail for defense and for a shield of the rest of the body and the clothes or or the clothes, the claws. (laughs) The claws are pretty much for only holding their prey. So then they will try to pinch you, but they it's not gonna really hurt, so Okay. Yeah, they're just utility. They're little little hands. (laughs) 
Scorpion stings leave a mark, true or false? I would think that they would have to leave a mark. Scorpion stings often do not leave any mark. In some cases, it can be difficult to identify a, a scorpion sting because of the lack of any visible sign of a sting. Wow. They are most identifiable by the burning sensation that immediately follows and the numbness or tingling that begins later. Depending on the species of the scorpion and the amount of venom that was injected, the area surrounding the sting of the scorpion may swell, but other than that, you're not going to really see much of anything. So. Huh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so if you live in an area where there are scorpions and you feel that you have been stung and you don't see anything, the culprit could be a scorpion. Huh. Okay, scorpions are aggressive. True or false? I don't think any animal is aggressive unless you corner it or threaten it or get near their babies or something. I'm going to say no. Yeah, that is correct. Their, the preferred habit of habitat of scorpions is beneath rocks and debris. Scorpions do not aggressively pursue humans. Most scorpion stings occur when humans step on scorpions by accident or reach into an area where a scorpion is hiding. Yep. Scorpion stings can be avoided by wearing proper footwear when traveling through areas where scorpions are common and never reaching into debris piles or beneath rocks with bare hands. Or by just staying in your in house. It. Yeah. <laughs> Larger scorpions are more dangerous. True or false? Oh, usually nature is like the opposite of that. I'm going to say false. Yep, uh, that is true. Despite the small size of the Arizona bark scorpion, for instance, that species is the only scorpion that can potentially cause a fatality. Potentially, if you don't get an antidote. Like if you, if you have a lot of it. So it right. barely ever happens. But the venom released by this scorpion is a neurotoxin that can cause muscle movements, uncontrollable muscle movements. And other species of scorpion, which are common to Arizona, are much larger, larger than the bark scorpion and at about five inches and slightly over two inches, but they have much weaker venom. So as you were, as you were saying, in nature it is often the reverse and that is the case for scorpions. Yep. The tiny guys have the worst venom. Mm-hmm. So that is it. That's it for our quiz. You did cool. pretty good. Thank you. I think yeah. I got one wrong. Yeah, just one. That's all right. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, if you enjoyed that little clip that started our show this week, there is more where that came from at the Weird With You podcast. Every week, Santiago and Justine discuss a topic or two in their own weird way, and we want to thank them for letting us use a clip of their show, and we hope that you go check their podcast out because it is super fun and hilarious. Our show has been brought to you today with technical support by Matthew Chomo. Additional research help this week was by Sarah Wright. Thank you, Sarah. Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent this week was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Stacey and Frosty, and we thank you, the Patreon supporter, for giving a dollar or two every month to the Blazing Caribou Studios Patreon. We do appreciate it. Yes, and now it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger and they want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We'll make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And here we go. And this week, Sammy has something to say about scorpions. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's your name? Sammy. Hey, Sammy, how old are you? Are you three? Yep. Can you talk about scorpions? Nope. Nope? <laughs> I don't want to copy it. Why not? Because I hate it. 
Why do you hate scorpions? Because it sting me. They didn't sting you. They sting that and that and that. And will sting your foot. They'll sting your foot? Nope. Did they sting Buggy? Nope. They didn't. Are you sure? Yep. Bye, Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, I hope he didn't get stung by a scorpion. Poor thing. No, I think his brother did. Oh. I think his brother did, yeah. <laughs> oh, Sammy, I hope you don't hate scorpions after you hear this podcast because they're pretty cool. They are cool. Just don't touch them. You'll be okay. Yep. And we thank his dad, Adam. Adam is the host of the Odd Dad Out podcast. You heard that promo in the middle of the show, so thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. Even scorpions. Yeah. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Another key to their survival in so many harsh locales. And when food is scarce, they... Hector, get off your brother's head. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, hey. I have to hold on. <laughs> okay. I gotta get up. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, let's go see your let's go see her. Come on, let's go see your papa. Sorry about that. When uh, that's okay, I'll just start over. Yep. Sometimes Hector goes over and he just stands on Odie's head. Just, <laughs> just stands there, and then Odie's like, "What are you doing? I'm standing on your head, weirdo." Okay.